Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Carlos interviews Charles Michel about meaningful food experiences. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast. My name is Carlos Velasco, and today I have a special guest. His name is Charles Michel, and he works in the context of food experiences. Um, I have known him for several years now. Uh, he's trained as a chef in uh, Institut Paul Bocuse in France, but then uh, he actually became a researcher and he was the first chef in residence at the Crossmodal Research Laboratory at Oxford University, where we did uh, several studies together. He published uh, several uh, studies that are now uh, well known um, in, the, in, in this area of, of, of research and knowledge. So today we're going to be talking about uh, food experiences with Charles. Um, but before we start with the discussion, I would like him would like to give him the, the opportunity to expand on his uh, introduction. So Charles, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Carlos, how are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, so please tell us about yourself, uh, your journey, basically. Yeah, so I, I started as a, as a cook. Uh, I, I like to call myself a food technician um, more than a chef. Um, so I started this career in France and worked in several Michelin star restaurants um, throughout my career in, in Europe mostly. And but little by little, I realized that the power of food was only you know one expression in the restaurant model. I found that there was so much more to do in the world, whether it be regarding. Um, you know, innovation in food or, you know, seeing food as a medium to convey ideas or as a, an artistic medium, um, but also just seeing that many of the ills of this world, even when I was, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, maybe there wasn't so much uh, talk around, uh, you know, public health and climate change and how it relates to food. But even back then, I was concerned about seeing how I could be of service with the craft of food beyond just doing nice dishes in expensive restaurants. And so that kind of social responsibility came to me and expressed in a way, you know, through, through creativity, through interaction with different art forms, with different thinkers, etc., which led me to one day placing, uh, plating a salad inspired by a painting of Kandinsky. Mm -hmm. And that was the, you know, when I met Charles Spence, he really liked that idea. And that's how we ended up uh -huh. uh, in the same lab at Oxford for, for over three years. Um, doing research and uh, since then it's been it's been a, a beautiful whirlwind of opportunities uh, placing myself as a, a kind of a um, yeah a unique voice kind of across disciplines and and also uh, you know feeling very very lucky to have had the chance to you know to do research without having a degree which was something that I I'm incredibly grateful for you know uh, to Professor Spence uh, for opening the doors of his lab and trusting um, you know, the ideas that we're co-creating and, and, and supporting my, my, my journey. Um, after that, I started doing a lot of talks around the future of food and also consultancies, working with PR firms, developing narratives to um, kind of, you know, get people to, um, to understand the ingredients and, and, and foods in a particular way. Um, that would benefit my clients, but at the, at the same time, I was like, oh, well, you know, I wasn't too comfortable on actually making, you know, a living doing things that I wasn't necessarily fully in agreement from an ethical standpoint. Yeah. And that was really a turning point because I had a hard time, you know, making a living on one hand, 
-hmm. And on the other hand, I had lots of opportunities to support industry actors in mm -hmm. selling their products. And I was really kind of well-versed in, you know, supporting them both from the culinary narrative and from the, you know, psychological narrative or consumer narrative. Mm -hmm. And um, that led to a bit of confusion in my life. And there was a turning point about three or four years ago where I really stood up to my values and started working more as an educator and as an activist, um, mm -hmm. using my knowledge and using food as a medium um, to to just change the way. I guess what I'm what I'm what I'm thinking now is that you know if we put food back at the center of our lives, there can be many changes when it comes to the main ills of that we're suffering as a society today, which are disconnection from self and our bodies, disconnection from people and communities, mm -hmm. and disconnection from the planet. Right? And I do feel that food is that language that can allow us to lead healthier lives in our bodies and our minds, healthier societies and communities, and healthier relationship to the planet, um, especially when it comes to transforming our food system. And all of these things are intimately interconnected, I believe. And, and, and yeah, that's how I've stepped up to be more of an activist and, uh, and, and, and really use education as... The main tool uh, for change that is uh, fantastic and we're going to be talking about ethics uh, in, in a moment uh, which is a topic that i really appreciate uh, from all your work i think it's quite interesting that uh, when it comes to designing food experiences basically the way in which you craft them has sort of like an ethical message in all the ingredients when i say ingredients i not only need the food itself but also kind of like the symbolic elements and sort of like the, the Yeah, all the sensory aspects of the experience, Absolutely. if you like. So that is, that is really interesting. But let's let's start from the beginning, Charles. Um, what is an experience for you? And I guess this is not an easy question. We have talked about this in the past, and I know that you have lots of ideas, but if you can kind of like summarize those ideas, yeah. what do you think about experiences? Yeah, um, yeah, I really like your question. And it's like, what is the nature of reality? I mean, um, right? Like we could we could start there, but I don't want to go too deep into the <laughs> to that realm, <laughs> into, the, into the realm of, yeah. of deep philosophy. Um, but I guess for me, an experience is a statement. It's a way to show up in the world. Right? Every morning we wake up, we wear clothes. Um, that's an experience that we design of ourselves, our ego, right? And mm -hmm. and how we show up in the world. We decide to go to a job, um, you know, and some of us are lucky enough to have the choice of whether we want to do this type of work or this other type of work. Um, and, and that is the choice of how experience, how, how I choose to experience the world around me. Mm -hmm. And then the work, which I see a little bit in physical terms, you know, work as in, as in thermodynamics work, okay. it's like a way to basically shift matter and energy around us right and shift circuits of how we use natural resources mm. around us right so i really see experiences as just the end point the product of the human mind and of the human mind as in the ego each of us and what we decide to put out in the world and it's our statement um, on how we show up as As individuals, as collective, you know, if you think of an organization or a company or a brand, which is somehow an energetical entity, right? You, you mm -hmm. just create this narrative, this umbrella, you put colors on it, shapes, you put, you know, products, but what product is in it, 
right? If you're selling water, you're selling, yes, something that is essential for life. You're selling a commodity because you're commoditizing something that eventually, from a legal standpoint, should be accessible and free for every single human as we are born on this planet and we're entitled to having clean water mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a basic human right. But you're also selling the plastic and hence you're funding the fossil fuel industry when you put that bottle, that water in, in plastic, right? So an experience is a choice of what natural materials and their processes and how those processes connect us to the source of those ingredients, how we choose to put all these together into a message that is there, hopefully, to bring um, you know positivity or not positivity, but to bring something that people need, uh, and hence being you know uh, an object of desire, and hence and you know and, and also an object of um, of need and and satisfaction and to live a good life, right? So experience is all that, and I just see it as a central point um, of inquiry, of academic, philosophical and economical inquiry to really kind of rethink and, and place the importance of experience um, as yeah as our statement on this planet. Uh, there is something that I really like about the way in which you're defining experiences and that you're adding like a component of choice, a component in which you actually have a say on how you show up in the world. And this is something that typically when we talk about experiences, we have kind of like a seemingly passive receiver that is kind of like receiving and going through an experience. Yet what you're saying here is that a, a, a receiver is also an active creator of experience. Absolutely. And in a way, we have the freedom you know, to choose how we show up in the world, how we mix and match the different elements that are part of our lives, that are part of our companies, that are part of our whatever entity we're talking about, such that we make a statement on how we show up in the world. Mm-hmm. That is super interesting, okay. uh, Charles. And I, I definitely see you know, how... Your uh, thought has developed uh, throughout the years, which is a fantastic thing to see, you know, because we started uh, kind of like in the same place. I remember uh, at Oxford in the in the old city, mm-hmm. you know, having these discussions. Uh, and uh, yeah, after all the experience that you have had, really, there is uh, a very interesting message that comes from uh, uh, your words. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's uh, let's move a little bit farther in the topic of experiences. Um, uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is. You craft lots of food experiences in your life, uh, both now and you have done it in the past. So what can you tell us what you think about when it comes to the food experiences mm-hmm. that you design? What is that design process about? Yeah. Um, so. And then, sorry, maybe just food experience or experiences with food, because I know that you also use food yeah. as a medium. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or experiences about food, which can be educational online. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah, so what I think about is uh, very complex. <laughs> there's a lot There's a lot going on, and, and I try to put as much uh, intention and meaning into it um, because I do feel that it is, we are living in an age where food is, the topic of food in general is going to, you know, to be very important in hopefully addressing some of the, the greatest crises of our time. Um, and, uh, and so... What I think in general, like on, on, a, on a, yeah, on a kind of conceptual level, to simplify it to the, to the minimum, I try to think about how to shift from, from ecosystem thinking to ecosystem thinking. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? 
I can decide whether I want to cook for you or to design a flavor for your company or to teach you about something related to food. I can choose to tell you what I crave on the day, like as my ego, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I want to, uh, oh, I'm feeling like talking about pizza today, right? So let's talk about Italian culture and all that. Or I choose to, you know, to, to, to teach you something from the place of eco, which is where am I standing right now? Like mm-hmm. physically. Right now you and I are in San Sebastian in, in, in the north of Spain, um, right? So what is around us? Right now, there's the you know there's the ocean right here. There's the mountains not far away, and there's a very rich agricultural landscapes not far away. There is a lot of right. So I, I try to see the place in, in on the planet right and my and the land basically. Mm-hmm. What's the history of this place? There's a very strong culture of Basque um, kind of um, you know identity uh, that permeates throughout all the peoples that inhabit this land, but also the products. And the best products, and I would say not products, but produce that comes stems from this land, that is what I want to talk about and teach you eventually today. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, of course, this context depends on where we are in the world, mm-hmm. but always starting with the land. How can I honor the land that I am standing on right now? So if this is, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm doing right now something really interesting with a cacao project in Ecuador, and, um, and, and, and I had this you know, whole thought process of actually you know, engaging in the education processes with the creative team mm-hmm. of this cacao project, and also putting myself out there of, in a position, in a humble position of learning of like, what are the best products mm-hmm. or produce that I can use from um, local ecosystems in Ecuador. I'm talking not about what it, what is in the borders of Ecuador, but rather the nature around it, right? So we have the Pacific Ocean, we have the Andes Mountains, we have the Amazon Basin mm-hmm. in the same land, which is a lot of biodiversity, yeah, exactly. like an incredible pantry and uh, to, to, to play with. But there is also indigenous peoples and there is indigenous struggle that comes with it, right? And the history there of sometimes oppression towards um, no, I'm not saying sometimes, I'm, I'm being careful with my words, actually, almost systematic oppression of marginalized communities like, like the indigenous peoples or the Afro uh, descendants of, uh, of Latin America. So I'm thinking, how can I, whatever I do, how can it support what I think is right? Hmm. Meaning that for this cacao project, for instance, I brought Amazonian ingredients that I gathered from an indigenous connection, a friend that I, that I made, um, a young, uh, you know, motivated uh, kid who, who is bringing the traditions, the ancestral traditions produced by their, his uncles and aunties in the community in the Amazon. He's bringing that to the city as a way for the community to make a living. And so I'm, I'm getting these ingredients from him directly to prototype and see what type of ingredients can go with chocolate. And, 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 and the same thing with something, an ingredient from the Pacific, Pacific uh, that, that has uh, an ancestral variety of corn in it, right? That is being lost right now. So every single time that I design an, a food experience, I try to think of the relationality mm-hmm. and the quality of the connections that I'm making to the land and to people. Because every single food, and I would say every single object that we create as creators, as designers, of businesses, products, experiences, 
everything has a connection to the earth and to people. And we decide according to what we choose to put in a design, um, uh, whether it is materials, narratives, colors, packaging, anything. Mm -hmm. It is a statement and how we connect to each other as humans and to the earth. So that's kind of what I, what goes to my mind. It's a lot of things. I'm also thinking, you know, the rituals that I'm going to be inviting the customer to to engage with this product so they have more meaning in their lives. Hmm. There is, you know, another way of seeing this, right? So thinking from moving from ecosystem to ecosystem, another way of seeing it is also moving the needle from just creating to cater for the hedonics and to tap into people's pleasure systems mm -hmm. and so this pleasure says you know wanting and and consumption moving that away from there to the eudaimonics right mm -hmm. to the sense of purpose to the meaning mm -hmm. of it so in a scale from you know one to ten on how eudaimonic my, my product is maybe if i go all the way to eight or nine it's going to be hard to create a viable product Mm -hmm. because you know if it's perfectly meaningful then it's either you know complicated to produce not effective or eventually not that pleasurable right so you need expensive as well ex expensive yeah. and not realistic at this point maybe in 10 years yes if mm -hmm. systems change at least for distribution supply chain systems and value systems around food mm -hmm. right which which are in crisis at the moment mm -hmm. um, and so I try to see how to move the needle towards eudaimonics and seeing the experience that will come out as a result as an educational how can this product be a Trojan horse? It's something that I often ask myself. A Trojan horse meaning that it looks great on the outside, it's beautiful, it's aesthetic, but then when you put it, when you, when you, when you welcome it in, either in your body or in your, in your product line or whatever, then you're like, oh wow, there's a lot more here that I, have no, I, I didn't know. It's delicious, but I, didn't, but I learned something about the struggle of indigenous peoples in the Amazon protecting their lands, right? That is fantastic, Charles. I have like a bunch of thoughts in my head, you know, trying to wrap my head around everything that you have said. And I, I want to highlight a couple of things. The first one is the uh, sort of like strong philosophical foundation that is behind the experiences that you design. And I really like to highlight the word meaning. It's like it's not experience for the sake of experience. It's experience for the sake of a meaningful kind of like element behind mm. it, which is fantastic. You know, like I have not... Maybe it's because I don't know much about kind of like food, uh, food philosophies around the world, I guess. But that is really nice to see that you have such a strong and clear conceptual foundation behind the sort of work that you do. Uh, other things that I want to highlight is the fact that you are still not removing the hedonic part nor the sensory part. Yet you are wrapping it around again that meaning. Yeah. So you are considering like so many different levels, which is super nice. But let me try to, to uh, land this in a specific example that you mentioned uh, earlier. And for those of you who don't know, Charles uh, uh, took part in a Netflix show called The Final Table. Uh, he was uh, basically uh, presenting all this philosophy, basically all the philosophy that you have heard about was sort of wrapped in specific food experiences that he created together with Rodrigo, who was his partner. There was one that uh, got my attention that uh, we talked about earlier, which is this, I think it was a Mexican dish, with insects, right? Yeah. And I, I feel that that's an excellent example to tell yeah. our listeners how your philosophy translates into a practical uh, kind yeah, of like... absolutely. Uh, so we were given the opportunity with uh, my friend Rodrigo Pacheco to go to, you know, LA and Hollywood to do this, this TV show, which is actually a reality show, but it's a, a legit food competition, a very tough one. 
And uh, the first challenge was to cook a taco um, to honor Mexican food um, and kind of a, the Mexican national dish. We were immediately with Rodrigo because we spent many years working together in Ecuador um, in his restaurant called Boca Valdivia. I, uh, we, we kind of had developed already a, a certain kind of flow of creativity that was always trying to be very meaningful. And um, when we had this chance to be on Netflix, which we had no idea what was going on, but we, we were, you know, certain that a lot of people would watch this show. So whatever we said and put on the plate was actually a political statement. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was a cultural statement, mm-hmm. something important. And so we decided to do a taco that was a decolonized taco, mm-hmm. meaning we took away any ingredients that may have come with colonizers 500 years ago to, the, to Mesoamerica which these products abound in modern tacos, right? It could be mm-hmm. cheese, it can be beef or, or, or um, uh, lamb, you know, uh, or uh, salmon roe, uh, mm-hmm. right? All these things were not in the Mesoamerican continent. So we thought, well, we're going to exclude all that palette of colors and flavor that are delicious. We're going to exclude all that and focus only on the, the pre-Columbian ingredients present in this land as a statement. Mm-hmm. And, and at that, well, we needed also some, you know, some, some richness and, and savoriness and umami in it because of the pleasure we wanted to create. Uh, and we thought, well, let's use uh, grasshoppers. Um, grasshoppers in the region of Oaxaca in particular are a common street food. Like it's very common. Everybody eats it. It's, it's delicious. It's umami. It's crunchy. They season it with salt and chile. It's super cool and, and super delicious like really is and so we thought of using these um, these chapulines in replacement of any meat hmm. and because they are kind of insects so we covered them in gold in gold leaf wow. um, so to also kind of to 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 create more kind of um, of an honorable dress for for the uh, for the grasshopper so to speak um, and um, and then we just, you know, had like, you know, it was a simple taco, right? Some, some like veggies and the salt and the salsa with, with mezcal. And there was a lot of things around it. And of course, a very beautiful visual presentation. We really focused on, on, on the delivery of the visual aesthetics and the plating to be uh, really special. But then at the core was just this small taco with insects covered in gold and cactus fruit um, and, and, and cactus leaves, nopal. So... Yeah, that was what we cooked, and it really symbolizes this, right? It's literally yeah. rewrapped, you know, in it's gold, so... in something aesthetic, something that has a lot of meaning and means a lot for it. And so we actually, I mean, spoiler alert uh, for whoever hasn't seen it, we actually won that first um, episode, uh, mm-hmm. first uh, competition with this taco, um, and uh, and the, the Mexican um, audience, sorry, the judges, were yeah, were really pleased, and it, it tasted of their of their essence, of the essence of their country. And they were really proud to see us cook that dish. That is what I would call meaningful experience design. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Yeah. Charles, uh, from the conversation on, up until this point, I guess uh, our listeners can already uh, figure out if they don't know you, that you are a person that care uh, a lot about ethics. Uh, and I think that one of the things that I've uh, really appreciated, again, seeing your work and seeing the way in which you, you engage with the community is that... Uh, Many people are inspired by the sort of ethical messages that you're bringing uh, 
uh, that you were kind of like uh, posing there and you know talking about the challenges mm-hmm. of our times in particular our challenges associated with first food systems mm-hmm. and how uh, maybe we can see them also sometimes in food experiences and how we can use actually food experiences to address them so why don't you kind of like tell us a little bit about what is your what are your concern, your ethical concerns uh, and in particular associated with, with food systems and experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think as humans, we've reached um, a peak abuse of natural resources uh, in this, you know, in the, in the 20th century and well into now the, the, the 21st. Um, and a peak abuse, I mean that we are over-consuming energy, water uh, systems. We are... Um, you know, there's billions of, of, of farm animals right now that are living in dire conditions uh, that are, you know, beyond inhumane. And all that, um, you know, the, the oceans, right, right, we're, we're, uh, we're over-consuming um, apex predators of the ocean um, just to, you know, to have a nice sashimi on our, on our table. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we can order it online to our homes that uh, you know, piece of tuna that comes from, from, from who knows what ocean actually, uh, that has had a massive footprint in terms of carbon and also in terms of the pressure that we put on, on, on ocean ecosystems, right? And I'm talking about the little sushi thing that you buy, uh, you know, via Uber on uh, to your home, wrapped in plastic, uh, you know? And so that is, I think, the ultimate disconnection. I, I don't think we can be more disconnected to the bounty of nature and to nature itself and to our human nature mm-hmm. than what we are today. And of course, there are market forces, economical reasons for this. Um, but I do think that it is not like intentionally evil. It, I think it's just an unconscious behavior mm-hmm. because we like food and because throughout our history as humans, we were living in, you know, in resource-scarce environments. Technology changed that completely, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm talking technology from the moment of the invention of the steam engine. Mm-hmm. We were able to get access to foods that were increasingly far away, um, that were increasingly, you know, increasingly disconnected, basically, from the reality of how that food comes about to be on our plates. And, um, and that, you know, has many, you know, repercussions, I'm just going to give some data here. Um, one third of global carbon emissions are our food system. Um, that is one. That is one that it keeps surprising people. Like people are not 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 everyone is aware of yeah, that one. It's, yeah, it's one it's, third. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, and it's probably more. Yeah. If you account uh, the, the the you know basically the side effect of desertification um, mm-hmm. due to um, uh, due to uh, yeah, a certain type of farming, right? Industrial farming. Um, if you count also the carbon that is not absorbed by the trees that are cut in order to grow soy, for example, in the Amazon, in South America, but this is happening massively as well in Congo and, and in Africa. We, we talk a lot about the Amazon, but in Africa, there's a very similar thing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have all that. So it's probably more than a third. That's yeah. what I'm saying, at least a third. Mm-hmm. Um, 8% of global carbon emissions, which just for you to have a reference point, is about three to four times more than all aviation combined, mm-hmm. right? So we worry about taking a plane 
but food waste is three to four times more, you know, uh, producing of, of, of carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, that's not accounting the fact that most of that food waste goes to landfill to produce methane, which is more than 20 times more potent of a greenhouse gas than CO2. And so just that is something that is like, okay, climate crisis, we have COP26 that just happened a month ago. We have the Food System Summit happened uh, two months ago, uh, called by the Secretary General of the UN. Uh, we have a lot of, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the, into the more kind of dire, all that. you get the gist of it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what I see is a historical opportunity for humans to get our stuff together so we can design better products, better relationships to people and land, and also uh, provide better nutrition uh, for, for humans um, because, because we're not educated in food, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we are completely a food illiterate society, right? And I believe that the same empowerment that came with teaching millions of humans uh, how to read and write in the past century, which is a positive step forward in humankind, I do believe that teaching every single human on earth the basics of food is just, if not more, empowering, Hmm. right? More empowering meaning that we can teach people through food education, which has now become my mission, right? Um, To educate not only, you know, you know, the people who eventually would benefit from knowing what what foods have protein in them, right? And how to properly cook uh, a vegetable in order to maximize its nutrient uh, absorption in our bodies, right? Because mm-hmm. no, n- not all carrots are made equal, right? If it's an organic carrot versus an, an industrial farm carrot, it won't have the same nutrients. And depending on if we do it steamed or stewed, it won't have the same nutrients for our body, right? So this is basic education that can change someone's life and intake of vitamin A, which is the leading cause of death by malnutrition. Which so, if you connect it with your definition of experience and the choice that we have yeah. to make a statement as we appear exactly. in this world is yeah. kind of like a critical yeah. kind of thing. So just to finish my, my, my kind of idea, there's education that can happen like in terms of food literacy, but I do feel that there's a lot of education to be done at the top, hmm. which is philosophical education also, like just being aware of the power and the importance of things when we talk about food and food is every day in our lives. It's not like... If you don't work in the in food products, you don't care about this. No, because you still have to feed yourself, your family, your company, your people, uh, and, and and everything will have somehow a connection to natural resources, like whatever you're selling, right? And so there's no way around it. There's no way around it, right? It's uh, it's like air. It's it's every day, and, and we do it automatically, right? <laughs> Otherwise, we don't live. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's kind of you know I, I really see that there's a massive power in education. And I see that as a great opportunity to shift uh, to a better economy and a better economical system even. Uh, and I really believe, for example, in the power of blockchain technologies to try and, you know, for example, support us in understanding traceability to like, you know, uh, and, and, and having transparency in the supply chain uh, for food, which is, I think, a very, like one of the, you know, low hanging fruits in terms of uh, avenues forward. Uh, but but also like the, the topic of, of democratizing food education shouldn't food education shouldn't be something that you can afford I mean you can you you have like as a um, uh, as a thing after you graduate from school and that it's actually quite expensive to go to a food school um, it should be something that anyone and everyone is able to access um, just like reading and writing and um, so I really believe in that and, and I mean I 
could talk about it for hours, but but I guess you get it, right? That there's um, a deep intentionality on, on on seeing how humans can evolve to being a regenerative species, mm-hmm. not a disruptive species, and that regeneration has food at its center. That is that is fantastic. Another thing that I'm really um, intrigued and interested in what you're saying is <clears throat> this idea. That, you know, when we think about an experience or we think about experiences, let's say with a specific restaurant or with a product or with you know, like just waking up in the world, yeah. we typically you know, think about all the different elements that are needed to support that experience. And what you're saying is kind of like zooming out and saying like, look, even for the, a single bite of food that you're taking. When you wake up or at any moment of your day, there is all these things in the background happening from which you are disconnected that are having an impact. Mm. And basically, that's something that you have a choice, you know, mm-hmm. in which you have a choice. And your mission is part, kind of like trying to bring people's attention yeah, absolutely. to that choice they have. Mm-hmm. That is uh, very interesting. Okay, Charles, uh, this is, so this is, I mean, I, I, we don't have like uh, extensive time, you know, to cover all the messages that Charles has Charles has to uh, uh, to t- talk about and the, the ones that he's been delivering. So I would like, Charles, if you could share uh, how people can follow you, uh, read your work, and mm-hmm. kind of like keep on uh, updated on, on your approach, the different things, initiatives yeah. that you're no, doing. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I'm quite active on, on social media, Facebook, Instagram. It's uh, Charles X Michel. Uh, also, charlesxmichel.com slash science. You would get like uh, to see the papers, most of them co-authored with Carlos um, <laughs> here. And um, um, But also, I've been doing like more information on my website in general. I'm also writing my first book, uh, which has been in my mind and in my, you know, in the back of, uh, of papers and, 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 in the, and in books um, that I read. I've been starting to write for five years with this idea and next year I'm going to be focused on that so I hope that by the end of 2022 you'll be able to find um, a book um, and uh, and yeah and if people are really interested in supporting in also my work I my main way of living right now is actually a patron uh, account where I create food education content and um, there's a very nice community of people from all over the world who support me starting one dollar a month um, and and through there, I also am prototyping a school, uh, the School of Conscious Eating, uh, which hopefully will see the light in, in the coming years, uh, first as a virtual uh, education space and then as uh, a physical space uh, rooted in an agricultural project, hopefully. We're already looking forward to reading your book. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, uh, you already have like a guide for conscious eating, right? Yes, yes. We have, um, together with my patrons a couple of years ago, um, we worked on a 10-point manifesto um, to make better decisions when it comes to eating and cooking and designing food. Um, and that 10-point manifesto, you can find it in translating 22 languages on my wow. website. Um, you can download it. It's a PDF. And um, yeah, it has um, 10 points, uh, including you know, uh, you know, being more frugal, for example, mm-hmm. um, eating more plants, um, reducing waste, and becoming a plasticarian, trying to mm-hmm. eliminate plastic from our diets and yes we are consuming plastic literally in our bodies as well uh, but also trying to eliminate any any form of plastic that is in touch with any other food that that, that we eat which is kind of a topic thing today mm-hmm. given that plastic is so overwhelmingly uh, powerful as, as, as yeah, yeah widespread but also it's a great material right so it's mm-hmm. very convenient uh, but you know what it, what does it mean for us to reduce as much as we can mm-hmm. 
that's kind of the, the aim of the, uh, of, the, of the guide. And also the guide is all based in evidence. So there are references to it and, and, and things, both philosophical and scientific, that, um, that kind of have inspired its, its shape. Yeah. Which is your academic soul. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. Okay, Charles, so we are getting to the end of the podcast now. I just have one final question for you. This is the question that uh, I'm asking to uh, many of our guests. And is we have many students, you know, people in industry and also just people interested in, in, in the, the, the world of experience design mm -hmm. and management. So if you could give a couple of tips to people designing experiences, what would that be? Hmm. I would invite them to ask themselves, why are they doing it every single time? Why am I doing this? Is it, is it to, because I have to, is it because I am, you know, I'm making a living because of it? Is it because I want to give something special for others? And I think that's, that's a question about intention. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the more intentional we become as humans, the more we are connected to that aspects of our, of our, of our ways of showing up and of our being, the more, yeah, the more beautiful the, you know, the, 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 the world will be in a sense, right? In the sense that we will be more connected to pure intentions. And, 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 and if the question is too hard to answer, maybe you have to keep asking it. Um, and, uh, and then eventually find peace in, you know, really being aligned with what you create. Um, and that is, yeah, that's kind of a, a life mission. It's not just something that all of us can snap out of, uh, you know, from day one, but the question is more important than the answer. Excellent way of finishing the podcast, <laughs> Charles. Uh, thank you so much for being uh, here with us uh, today. Thank you for the invitation, Carlos. Yeah. And uh, good luck with uh, the book. Okay. Thank you. <laughs>